1470, 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. Uh, thrilled to have my next guest in studio, uh, Paula Balistreri. She is here with a very important organization that, sadly, this is the first time that I'm having on the show, but not the last. I definitely <laughs> intend to do it more. And, Paula, pull that microphone a little bit close to you if you want to. Uh, you are the operations manager for the uh, Cent- Center for the Blind and Visually Impaired here in Central Illinois. Uh, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. So the first thing I wanted to do is tell you that I had a buddy of mine telling me how important uh, the work you're doing uh, at your organization is and how how necessary it was to spread the message and how uh, sometimes it's tough for you guys to find ways to to generate, you know, um, the revenue you need to keep doing the important work you're doing. So uh, if people are listening and moved by anything that we're about to say, uh, you should try to help out uh, this organization. Um, But I actually wanted to share something else with you. Um, for the first time earlier this year, we did a play-by-play of Red, White, and Boom, which is our fireworks show here in town, and our radio group puts it on. And everybody internally was curious about how well it would go, because it was going to be a tough thing to do, uh, Paula, to describe all the fireworks in the air. My news guy, Will Stevenson, myself, and a friend of mine actually did it. And within minutes of starting it, we got a message from a blind woman, Susan, that said she was so happy, so moved that we were doing this and the way we were doing it because it helped her for the first time experience the show that she had long heard about on the radio that she listens to. And then when the music came on and, and the fireworks going off, she lost her ability to understand, you know, what was happening. And so with that as sort of a frame of reference, tell me why so many people, myself definitely included, can sort of fail to realize uh, the importance of, of something as little as that to someone who um, you know doesn't have a, a sense that I have, um, I think because people who are sighted just take it for granted. It's just part of your existence, and sure. so you never think about what it would be like if you couldn't see until it happens. Yeah, and you know, unfortunately, um, as people get older, there is more and more circumstances where people are losing their sight. Sure, we focus on people who are adults. Um, we have a great support system for children in this area, so they don't need us. But if you, your story reminds me of a call I got one time um, from a person who said, I can't see anymore. I live alone. I can't read my mail. I can't do anything. I feel like my life is over. What do I do? Wow. And um, that's very common. Um, so... One thing led to another. She became more active in our organization, and my standard response is, you know what? You can do everything that you did before. You're just going to learn how to do it differently. Now, that doesn't take into account things like maybe driving a car, although with self-driven cars, that may change. You never know. But... um, if you can imagine, and I always give homework to people to help them experience I what it this. might be like. Yeah. And one of the challenges I say is when you go home tonight, uh, go into the bathroom, mm-hmm. keep all the lights off and close your eyes and, and make a commitment to keep your eyes closed no matter what. Find your toothpaste and put it on your toothbrush and brush your teeth. First wow. challenge is, are you sure it's toothpaste? Wow, yeah. And then putting it, the act of putting it on your brush is harder than you think without certain little tips and tricks that, you know, this is what we teach people what to do. Sure. Um, And it really kind of drives it home what it's like to lose your sight, especially when, let's say, you were 
used to cooking for your family and you decide you want to cook something. So you go to the pantry and you pull out a can and you think it's a can of um, tomato soup and you open it up and it's carrots. Um, You know, what do you do? Yeah. But luckily for us in this day and age, there's so much technology out there that as a sighted person, you're unaware of, but we are. So if they come to us, we say, you know what, you can do this. This is how. This sure. is what will help you. And and that's basically what we're about. You know, what's interesting about uh, what you're saying is, as, as a person who's naive uh, to a lot of this world, as you said, um, I, I just can see. So I, I take for granted. Um, I, I guess my assumption has always been, and this is a silly one, a flawed one, and you can help me with it. Is like maybe there's Braille on everything, or maybe like there's there's some way in which the whole system has been set up correctly. So all the time, everybody who has a, a thing that I don't have, and I know that's not true. I know that sounds naive to even say. Um, and so it's just so interesting because that's probably where my lack of concern to focus more on the challenges of this this a group of people comes from is some assumption that there's probably already a solution out there and I, I don't even have to think about it. But, but tell me if you think that's one of the more common reasons that maybe this is something that doesn't get talked about as much as it should. Um, I do. Uh, I think when you're a young adult, you may not have anyone in your circle of friends or your family that is experiencing vision loss. Sure. Once you're a little older, then you might have a grandma or a grandpa or yep. you know somebody who through just maybe as a side effect of diabetes or you know whatever is experiencing that loss but yeah. by that time they don't know where to go because it's never been a part of their life experience yeah so um that assumption that maybe when you don't have any experience with a visually impaired person you just assume it's out there we've all seen the braille markings on an elevator door and that right. sort of thing yeah. but when was the last time you saw a newspaper in braille nope not Never. exactly correct. You yeah. know, um, have yeah. you ever seen a postal carrier carrying around Braille mail? No, I no. have not. Nope. No, no, yeah. Never. And it's it's interesting. The other example you give. I'm sorry uh, to jump in for a second. Um, my father-in-law is going through that thing you just described. My my wife, uh, she's from Mexico. Her family still lives there. So this is all over the phone. A discussion between her and her father. He has diabetes. He's not following any of the diet stuff he's been told to follow. And one of the byproducts has been his eyesight is. Yep. And so. The other day, and this was so interesting, and I'd love to hear your take on it because it was it was all an emotional conversation. Uh, he loves to watch baseball on TV, and he was complaining to Betty, who started sort of tearing up as she's sitting next to me talking about this, that like one of the sad things for him is he can't really see the, the baseball players on TV as well as he used to or, or, you know, sometimes at all. And so I wonder if it's not just teaching people how to how to still live as effectively as possible um, while readjusting to that. But also the emotional component of of accepting what might f- feel like it's just unfair because it doesn't happen to all of us. I, very much so. Um, literally, like you, I've saved certain messages and emails, and I have one person that said, um, "I didn't know what to do with my mother. She thought her life was over." And we basically said, "You know, save the day, so to speak." And we've had messages like that from many people who are so emotional, distraught. You know, if you think about back during covid and we all were stuck at home and we had that feeling of isolation if you can imagine uh, particularly if you live alone already and you can't see that feeling of isolation is all the time it's not just covid where you saw okay light at the end of the tunnel they'll figure this out and we'll be back to normal maybe but with um (laughs) losing your eyesight Mm -hmm. you don't get any hope that it's going to come back. It's gone. So that feeling of isolation is very um, 
emotional. Um, it People suffer from depression and just all those other things that go along with losing such a basic sense. Sure. Can you give me a little bit of a um, an idea of some of those successes or some of the emotions that pour out of someone when through your organization you teach them how to do way more than they thought they were going to be capable of doing? <laughs> well, I can tell you that we have people um, that we serve in our group that are work outside of the home, and sometimes that's a challenge to have employers even consider a, a person with a visual impairment as a good employee. Sure. Um, we have a person who's a chef. We have a couple who are teachers. We have some who like to crochet. We have some that um, are all about social games and things like that. Um, I mean, they can do literally anything. And yeah. what we introduce them to are things like, you know, talking measuring cups, um, talking watches, um, technology is just amazing. Um, you know, the apps for your phone that will turn everything that you can do on your phone into audio sure. so that you don't have to look at the numbers. You don't have to swipe a screen. You just talk to your phone and it will do everything. It's just that people don't know about it and they yeah. don't know how to do it. Um, kind of another interesting thing is... The long white cane, which is an iconic symbol mm -hmm. of someone who's blind, um, was actually um, created right here in Peoria. Wow, really? And our center owns the original cane, um, and we have loaned it out to the Peoria Riverfront Museum where it's on display. Wow. Which is kind of an interesting story um, because it was you know, back in the day, early 1900s, and um, there was a person who was blind um, who owned a newsstand in front of what was the Pier Marquette. And in the morning when he would go to work, he would walk to work, and it was fine. He could get there. But in the afternoon, it was busy. Uh, you know, Peoria was very vibrant, and the traffic was bad, but it wasn't just cars. It was horses and buggies and bicyclists sure. and pedestrians and all that. And he had a lot of trouble getting home because he couldn't see when it was safe to cross the street. And he had a friend who happened to be a member of a Lions Club who noticed that and decided there's got to be a solution. And he came up with what we now know as the long white cane. And that um, eventually led to the city of Peoria being the first city in the country to um, pass an ordinance that made it um, indicated that people with a long white cane were entitled to the right of way. Yeah. So that when you were going along, you know, you saw that you gave them the right of way. We were the first city to do that. And eventually that became, um, President Johnson then passed that as a federal thing wow. and named October 15th as National White Cane Day. So we're pretty proud of that. You has got a rich history in serving the blind. Cool. So to get our name out there and know you've got somebody, you know, a group that's been here since 1955. Right. Serving the visually impaired. Um, coming here is just great to tell our story. How many people do you serve? Do you know? Um, right now, we are probably actively serving around 200, wow. but we get calls from all over the country. Um, people will Google services, mm -hmm. and there's just not too many organizations like ours right. that provides basic daily living activity support um, for little or no cost. Um, and that's what we do. So when we can't help someone because they're not local, we do 
point them in the right direction, um, wow. you know, offer what we can over the phone. But, you know, right here locally, that's about how many active people we have. Sure. We estimate that there is probably um, 5,000 people that are affected by a visual impairment just in our greater Peoria metropolitan area. Wow. Um, uh, by the way, just real quick, uh, listeners text my show. I give them a text sure. number. And someone just said, I've lived in Peoria my entire life and have never heard that Kane story before. That is so cool. So proud of Peoria. There's a message <laughs> that just came in, uh, which is awesome. Um, so uh, let me ask you another thing. I know there was a grant recently that got talked about. I think yes. uh, you guys are going to maybe be capable of, of facilitating some more um uh, what is it? You, you're going to buy some more vans, some more vehicles? Um, we are supported by private donations, fundraising, and grants. And grants are very important. And this recent one that we got from the Community Foundation of Program was to help us enhance our transportation program. Obviously, if you're blind, and particularly if you're a little nervous about taking public transportation or sure. you know time of day or whatever, we provide free transportation to any sponsored event that that we do whether that's something at our center or a field trip out and about in the community and as we're growing our vehicles are filling up (laughs) and or people are riding on them for a long time so our goal is to get a third vehicle um, expand our services so that we can reach more people and give them that independent mobility to come to the things that we offer. I have one other question about this, and thank you again so much for making some time to chat. Um, I I talk to a lot of veterans, uh, and I've worked with uh, the VW, uh, the VFW in Peoria Heights and and a lot of other places. And one thing that I hear a lot from that that group, and I'm going to compare it, uh, at least assume a comparison, um, is sometimes people don't want to ask for help. Uh, sometimes, especially, and I, I think it's so admirable in the world of those who serve and protect our country, that they'd rather somebody else get help and they'll figure it out on their own. You said there's 5,000 people that you could be servicing and only a couple hundred so far, however difficult that still sounds like it is, uh, that you're working with. Is that one of the reasons that there aren't more people knocking on your door? Do you think that there is a a um, resistance to, to asking for help or, or something that plays into that? I do um, think that it's kind of a twofold thing. I do think that there is a certain amount of reluctance to ask for help. Um, you know, you're an adult. You've made it this far. I can tough it out and make wow. do. So I do think that that enters into it. I also think that part of it is the fact that people don't know about us, just like the person that messaged you that didn't know about yeah. the white cane. Yeah. They don't know about us. Mm-hmm. And so for the last um, probably year, we have really concentrated on our marketing and getting our name out there to say, hey, we're here. Um, we're partnering with different organizations um, just so that we can get that word out. And I will say very often it's not the person that contacts us it's their caregiver or their family member and they are talking the person into coming the good thing is once they come to one thing we got them. <laughs> mm-hmm. is, it, is it because there's a community there, too? Is it, it is. not just the great services you're it providing? Is. Okay. Um, a lot of times people think that they're the only ones that are going through this yeah. or they're embarrassed or whatever sure. it is. So when they get to us, they find a support, a peer support group. Um, you know, we have a group of women that go to lunch once a month and we give the transportation, but it's a 
it's their group. They yeah. do their thing. Um, so to find that there is a community of people with like interests and uh, a similar situation goes a long way to providing that support. Thank you for the time. Uh, Absolutely. For the chat. Um, how do people get involved? I pulled up the website, CICBVI.org. Uh, that is the Central Illinois Center for the Blind and Visually Impaired, uh, CICBVI. Org. I'm sure that that's one way to get information. How else? Um, they can visit our Facebook page. Cool. Um, again, that would be a CB, CVBVI. Sometimes those initials <laughs> yeah. get me tongue-tied. Yeah. Um, they can call us. It's uh, 309-637-3693. Cool. Or they can email us at info, I-N-F-O, at org. Cool. And even if you just want to ask questions and gain more information about like the significance of the work you're doing, I think that that moved me and what my friend told me. And I think, um, you know, uh, please uh, connect them, reach out. And thank you again for... Absolutely. Right, thank cool. you for having me. Sure. Uh, quick break. A lot more. 1470, 100 point.